The Beatitudes follow a general spiritual order. A man is first blessed when he is emptied of his mistaken thoughts of self-righteousness and becomes poor in spirit. This is usually the first sign that God has renewed his heart and mind, and so he begins to accurately grasp spiritual realities. This produces a recognition of his sinful condition, which he then mourns over. These marks lead to meekness, which we will study this morning along with its reward. So now look at this third beatitude, and I'll be following a very simple outline to examine the three parts of the verse. Notice first that Jesus ascribes blessedness. He affirms blessedness. In all of these beatitudes, Jesus is describing the character and the actions of those whom God approves. These people are in God's favor, and they rejoice because they know they're in that relationship. In other words, blessedness is a known state of covenant well-being with God. The war is over. Peace has come because these individuals have been conquered by the kindly King Jesus. And instead of being separated from God and under his curse, these people are blessed, blessed with salvation. So we could read these first three Beatitudes this way. God is pleased with the poor in spirit, and so they rejoice. God is pleased with those who mourn, and so they rejoice even as they mourn. God is pleased with the meek, and they rejoice in that. This happy condition of meekness and the others is not earned by men. It is all of God's grace. It is a blessing, not an earned payment. These verses do not teach that God justly compensates those who act a certain way. No, it declares these happy states to be blessings, to be gifts, to be grace. The people in these Beatitudes did not regenerate themselves. They were born again by the Spirit. And so they were given faith and every grace described here. In other words, these characteristics, poverty of spirit, mourning, and meekness, didn't earn them right standing with God, that is salvation. Rather, they are the work of God in them that now marks them as saved, as members in his kingdom. And being recipients of his grace, they are to pursue living out these graces by his power. These aren't things that if you do them, you will earn salvation. That is impossible. Instead, these are things that when God grants you life and faith, you receive from his hand. They become yours, 
and you act on them. You live them out. So every real Christian is characterized by these things to some degree and should be increasingly striving to live them out. So that's what Jesus means when he ascribes or declares that blessed is this man and woman. Next, Jesus describes the blessed person's character and condition. This is found in the two English words, the meek. Blessed are, there's the ascription, and now the description is the meek. Meek is a word we don't commonly hear. It's not a virtue that our contemporary American culture champions like self-expression or justice or tolerance. But it is an important concept found in Scripture to describe part of what it means to be a Christian. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle, there's our word meek, and lowly in heart. Following Christ as a disciple means learning to imitate him in many things, including meekness. Now, it's not an easy word to translate, at least with just one single English word. Sometimes people will say, well, meekness is humility. And while related, humility is not identical to meekness. Otherwise, the description of Christ that we just read would say that Christ is humble and he is humble. And it wouldn't be differentiated in Ephesians 4.2, where we are commanded to walk in all humility and meekness. So it must be something perhaps related, but still distinct. Humility is very close to the poverty of spirit mentioned in verse 3. And meekness grows out of this and the mourning over sin found in verse 4. But it is not identical to either of them. Neither is it gentleness exactly. And it is certainly not unmanly weakness or having no backbone. So let me give you several definitions to get a hold of what Christ is saying here and what meekness is. Then I'll illustrate it from the Bible and put some scriptural boundaries around it. Meekness is the spiritual grace of learned submission toward God. Meekness is the spiritual grace of learned submission toward God. It is to be made pliable or teachable before the word and providence of God. Fittingly, Matthew Henry defines a meek man as one who is easily led. So it is to be moldable under the hand of God. And when a man is meek in this way toward God, he becomes meek toward men as well. This means he submits to them 
in a proper sense. That is, he moderates his anger. He bridles his impatience. He limits his desire for revenge when he is treated wrongly. A meek man is humble and gentle, yes, but he's also kind and considerate. He displays self-control. He's alert to be sensitive to others, whether it is God or man, and not only think about himself. Resentment doesn't consume the meek man. Instead, he loves to properly compromise and to quickly forgive. So meekness is the opposite of stubbornness or fierceness. Meekness does not take vengeance. It doesn't seek its own things, but it willingly follows God in all situations, and it acts in a patient manner toward fellow sinners. Arthur Pink beautifully sums it up this way. Toward God, meekness is the opposite of self-will. Toward men... Meekness is the opposite of ill will. So, meekness is the opposite of self-will toward God and of ill will toward men. As we have already said, meekness is rooted in the broken-hearted humility of the first two Beatitudes. These graces show that the blessed man has a right view of himself. He isn't proud. He isn't wise in his own eyes. And this gets right to the heart of it. He knows he doesn't know what's best for him. He believes wholeheartedly that God does. And he's willing to bow the neck whatever God brings his way. Fair or unfair, easy or hard, pleasant or not. Meekness is the spiritual grace of learned submission toward God. And so when God speaks in his word or in the providences of life, this man listens. He doesn't spend all of his time asking why and arguing about it. He listens. And the meek man then says to God, teach me. Mold me. Show me the path that is good for me. And he bows the neck to God's will. He is voluntarily led by God into truth, into wisdom, and righteousness by this meekness. He sincerely responds to the question, how are you? by saying, again, with sincerity and not with frankness, better than I deserve. (laughs) And none of this is natural. This is a grace. This is a blessing, not native to human hearts or even learned from the morality of the world. Meekness is supernatural, and it comes by the Word and the Spirit at regeneration and through the means of grace. It is empowered by the Spirit. It is pursued by Christians. Meekness marks Christians. Aaron in Leviticus 
chapter 10, is a remarkable example of meekness before the judgment of God. You probably recall that his brother Moses was declared in Numbers chapter 12 to be the meekest man on the face of the earth. But meekness also in this situation characterized Aaron. When his two sons, Nadab and Abihu, offered uncommanded fire in God's worship, the Lord immediately consumed them with fire. What a remarkable scene. God has carefully given all of the information about how he is to be worshipped, who is to be in the priesthood, how they are to be dressed, what they are precisely supposed to do. And on the very first occasion where there is solemnity, undoubtedly in a kind of awe at look what God is doing, these two young men disobey God. They add to his worship. They exercise self-will. And in front of everyone, God sends down fire and consumes them. Moses is right there. Their father Aaron is right there. He sees the fire. He watches them die. He smells the flame of their burning. And how does he respond? In meekness. Moses says to Aaron, let me explain what's happened. This is what the Lord has said. Among those who are near me, I will be sanctified. I will be treated as holy. My word will not be ignored. And then the text says, and Aaron held his peace. That's meekness. That is the spiritual grace of learned submission to God's word and providence. It is the opposite of complaint. It is not self-pity at all. When the boy Samuel told the priest Eli that the Lord would punish his sons for their blasphemy, what was Eli's response? It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. That is learned, content, submission to God. He was pliable before the Lord. Job displayed meekness when after losing so much, he says, the Lord gives the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Meekness, of course, marked the Lord Jesus. He never argued with God's word, but he always and only approved it and obeyed it. When his own calling of death on a cross came, he said, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? You see, he was, in this way, I think not so much like a lamb. 
because he went as a willing sacrifice. Now, we might think of lambs as meek animals. I suppose in a certain sense they are. But I suspect that every sacrificed lamb in the Old Testament didn't go meekly, but struggled against the hands that held them for death. But Christ was a meek lamb. He was led to the slaughter, and according to Isaiah 53, 7, he opened not his mouth. He was meek. He had learned uncomplaining, ready submission to the Father. And when we learn meekness toward God, it informs our actions and attitudes toward men especially when we receive ill treatment from them. Meekness doesn't look down on others. There are no meek Pharisees. Instead, the meek Christian is gentle and mild toward others because God has been the same toward him. So he is quick to listen and slow to anger and even slower to take vengeance. Why? Well, in part, because these unfair situations aren't just another human being's doing. They are also from God. And as they submit to God, they are enabled to receive injustice from men. Oh, they don't excuse it, but they bear it without a flood of complaints. Meek Christians don't go to court at every opportunity. Their sense of justice is balanced. To repeat, their basic response is not fierce retaliation, but moderation, self-control, and even hopeful patience. You see, meekness makes us ready to receive instruction and admonition from others, even if it isn't perfectly delivered or completely correct. Jesus is, again, our best example here, of course. The Apostle Peter tells us that when Christ was reviled, that is, unjustly attacked and insulted, he did not revile in return. He didn't pretend his revilers were being righteous, but he left judgment to God. He did not return a contentious, resentful, or unforgiving spirit. Similarly, Paul says to the church in 2 Corinthians 10.1, I appeal to you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Our Savior's meekness is our example and the source of the meekness that the Spirit works in us. And so we who were once lions and wolves Now safely lie down with other lambs, Isaiah 11, 6. How is it that a people as sinful and diverse as we are can get along? By the meekness of Christ at work in us. Now let me say a quick word about what meekness isn't. Meekness isn't weakness. It's not a lack of courage or an absence of convictions. 
It is submitting to God and dealing with people in a kind and considerate manner. Can that patience and gentleness be mistaken for weakness? Of course it can. Often when we are gentle, people want to take advantage of us. They feel a certain likelihood that they will get their way. They may mistake our meekness for some other fault. But we ought to be less concerned with what people think in this regard and more concerned with imitating Christ, with pleasing God. Don't make the mistake of thinking that if someone doesn't immediately get angry at a slight, that they must be weak or uncaring or in the wrong. Perhaps they're just meek. Proverbs 16.32 says that whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, meekness is the practical display of the fruit of the spirit called self-control. And that is the very opposite of weakness. The world may think that meekness makes you a coward or a fool. But God knows otherwise, and he approves of you and calls you blessed. Another misconception is that meekness must yield to evil. No, no, it should never do that. It submits to God's word and will, but it doesn't compromise with evil or ignore harm to others, whether that harm is intended against God or meant for men. So meek Moses also broke the covenant tablets when he saw Israel committing idolatry. When they ran after other gods, meek Moses sent men to kill thousands of them. Jesus was always meek, but when God's worship was compromised in the temple, he made a whip of cords and drove men out. See, meekness is more about our response to personal affronts not to evils done to God or others. So while it restrains from private revenge, meekness does not prevent us at all from faithfulness to God or defending others and seeking justice for them. Let's now look at what we might call the reason for the pronouncement of the blessing. He explains the reward or the content of this blessing, and that's found in the phrase, for they shall inherit the earth. Notice several things about these words. First, as with the other blessings, notice the certainty of this blessing. They shall, they will undoubtedly inherit the earth. Just as those who are poor in spirit do gain the kingdom of heaven, And those who mourn over their sins will be comforted. So the meek shall inherit the earth. Second, this is partly a present blessing. Christians taste the beginnings of this promise in the church. We do now live and reign with Christ. We are kings in waiting. As John says, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. Or as Paul says, we have nothing. 
but we possess all things. So we are heirs of the earth now by right. And this verse announces that. But third, of course, this is mostly a future blessing. This will be fulfilled when Christ returns and renovates the entire universe. He will reign over the earth and we will reign with him. As Peter says, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is a literal, physical earth remade in glory for the display of God's greatness and the joy of his people. This is so contrary to worldly wisdom, isn't it? Our culture tells us that the meek won't inherit anything. Has, has God really said the meek will inherit the earth? No, they tell us you have to go out and grab it for yourself by whatever means, amass money and property, a reputation and glory for yourself. But that is utterly backwards. And none of that results in lasting riches or blessedness. A future life, good beyond your wildest imagination, comes from being joined to Christ by faith and living under his kingship. By learned submission to him. In part, that means being like Jesus in meekness. Well, I have two uses, applications, if you will. They are this. First, this beatitude describes every Christian's character. This beatitude describes every true Christian. In other New Testament texts, the call to meekness is specifically addressed first to wives, at another time to those who are spiritual, in another place to pastors, and at other times to whole churches. So it is for us generally and for each of us in our specific callings. This verse applies to you, Christian. So recognize it in yourself and in other saints and work to grow in this grace of Christ. Secondly, I would urge you to highly value meekness. Think about how unified, peaceful, and productive our homes and churches would be if we all excelled in this. If you and I were easily led by God into truth and love, think of how many spiritual spankings we would avoid. Think how pleasant life would be together. If we treated each other with meekness, sins would be quickly forgiven. Jealousy and resentment would disappear. Humility and kindness would reign. Highly value meekness. And may God increase this grace of Christ among us. Let's pray. Our Father, we need more likeness to Jesus Christ. 
We especially ask that you would work in us meekness. That we would not resist your word or your ways in our life. But that we would in quietness bow the neck and follow where you lead. We ask this in Jesus' name.